Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're glad you've been able to tune in for the program. This Christmas we give gifts to remember that God the Father gave his greatest gift. That's why we give gifts. This Christmas also we remember that God the Father gave his Son as a gift to everyone. And like any gift, it's only a gift if you receive it. When you look at the average nativity Christmas card, who do you see? There'll usually be Mary, Joseph and baby Jesus, some wise men, perhaps some shepherds. But who's missing from the picture? Who was it that set the stage for the nativity to take place and yet he does not appear in the scene? Dr Corbett is in a seven part series on the subject of God. With the sixth in the series, let's join Dr Corbett now for God the Father. The message you're about to hear was originally given on Christmas Day at a Christmas Day service. And while the focus of Christmas Day is normally on the Christmas child, this message formed a part of the series that you've been listening to, the God series. And in this, in this edition of the God series given on Christmas Day, I was really trying to emphasize the fact that God is the Father. And so while the focus normally of our Christmas Day services and our Christmas Day reflections is on the babe of Bethlehem, the child who was born in that stable or near that stable where where Christ was the, the focus of the entire event, and rightly so, we need to recognize that what's actually happening here is that a father, in fact, the father, is giving his son to the world. Perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, especially among Christians, is John 3.16, which begins, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that word begotten means not born, not created, but has always been. Almost of the, the same stuff, or not even almost, actually of the same stuff, the same substance as the Father himself. That is, he was eternal. And just as we've been looking at the attributes of God, we've seen that eternality, that is that he has always existed, is one of the exclusive attributes of God. The Son also possessed those same attributes. And one of the things that Jesus did, as we will see in this message, hopefully that that was given on Christmas Day, hopefully you pick it up, is that Jesus came and not only revealed himself as the Son, his mission was to reveal who God the Father was. And so often when people get this, they see what we might call the Father heart of God. And in this message, given on Christmas Day, you'll hear that Jesus revealed his Father. So one of the unique things about how Jesus did that is that he addressed his father in a rather unusual way because even in the Old Testament, Jews had become acquainted with addressing God as their father. But it was always in what we might say is a collective sense. In other words, he was the father of the whole nation of Israel. And so that's how he was addressed, God our, our father, in that sense. But when Jesus came, he individualized the relationship of the one who would be a worshipper of this God with this beautiful Aramaic term. Now, Aramaic was the language that Jesus would have spoken. It's a, 
sort of the, the the development of Hebrew into a language of the Middle East, Aramaic. It's still spoken in some parts of the world today. But he used this beautiful Aramaic word, Abba or Abba. And we see that even in the New Testament epistles, the Apostle Paul in two, at least two places, Galatians and Romans, picks up on this Aramaic word, Abba, A-B-B-A, Abba. Not the band, but God. And Abba meant something in English, the closest we can get to it is something like Daddy, Daddy. And so when Christ taught about his father, he was introducing his father to those who would be worshippers of God as Abba, Daddy. And now the beauty of what Christ came to do was to establish the new covenant. And one of the, the most profound things that the new covenant does is it opens up the possibility of an individual being adopted by God. That means they become his child and he becomes their Abba, their daddy. So in this message given on Christmas Day, yes, you'll hear that the focus was on Christ, and fair enough. But the focus of Christ himself was on his Abba, Daddy. And that's how Jesus taught his followers to relate to God. Enjoy this message given on Christmas Day. Uh, great to see you here. Some, uh, for some of you, this is your annual visit to Lagana, and it's great to have you here. Some of you have been coming here once a year for 20-something years. Thank you. Uh, it's great for you to know that this is the church you don't go to each Sunday. Uh, as long as you know which one you're not going to, this is it. And for those who are here from interstate, a very warm welcome. Pastor Ron Damon, where are you? Where are you seated? Well, great to see you here. Veteran of, uh, of ministry who's down from Redcliffe, Queensland, BJ country. And great to have you here, Ron. Uh, Ron preached uh, in our church probably about 24 years ago. Yeah, when it was over there. So great to have you here. Dee, great to have you back. Great to see you as well. And I want to share some thoughts uh, with you that relate to Christmas. On the screen is a typical part of it's a bit of a hash actually of um, a Christmas uh, card scene. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about that. And so this will, there will be a test. So I want, you to, I want you to have a look at who you can notice there. And then I want you to, I want to ask the question, who's not there? Who should be there? Who, who's not there? Who actually was there, but is not depicted there? And if you, is Blair here this morning, Blair? So if, if you believe Blair Sunday night, there should be a little boy with a drum somewhere in the scene as well. But uh, as Blair famously said, and I did get a look from two elders at the time you said it, you said something like this, uh, the, the story of the drummer boy is not in the Bible, but it should be, I, and I quote, but it should be. <laughs> and a couple of elders looked at me and said, are we going to let that one pass or anyway so all right so I'm going to remove that now this is the this the the background that I've been using for a few weeks now in a series I've been doing on God talking about God and I want to talk about God again and that should not be a surprise I hope for you in a church that we would do that talk about God and this is a famous picture of a of a ceiling anyone know which ceiling this is from 
the Sistine Chapel. If you've ever been to the Sistine Chapel, it's sort of bl- I've blurted out a bit there, and I've got a couple other images there that I'll talk about in a moment. But the Sistine Chapel is a, r- a really, really small building, actually. You've got to wait about two hours to get in. Kim and I went up to the queue and said, nah, watch it on the internet. And we turned around and walked away. <laughs> It was just a huge queue. And, um, but it is Michelangelo, or it, as they say in Italian, Michelangelo, um, uh, Michelangelo, uh, it, it's God reaching man, or actually it's, 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 it, yeah, it's God reaching out to man and, and, and those two fingers, it's quite a symbolic picture. So when we think about Christmas as we're, we're doing now, it's a great time of year. If you are... A stranger to Lagana, you'll discover that if you keep coming back here each Christmas, we love Christmas. We do a big Christmas carols, uh, which we have people from the community come, and we we love having Christmas Day service as well. And the focus of Christmas is rightfully, as depicted on most cards, it's rightfully on the child, the Christmas child. And so the the typical Christmas card scene will show. The, the baby in the manger, and, I, and so now we're getting into the test. The baby in the manger, we've got Mary, we've got Joseph, we've got the shepherds, we've got the animals. Did I, did I leave anyone out of the, you can kind of almost see the Christmas card scene there. Did I leave anyone out that was in that Christmas card scene? Joseph, I've mentioned Joseph. The kings, they may have been there. They weren't actually there in the manger. Sorry to sort of spoil this. And as Blair would say, it's not in the Bible, but it should be. And uh, because they, they came to Herod about two years after the child was born, it took them a little while to follow the star and come over. And that's why Herod did something nasty to two and unders a bit later on. But there is, there is someone who is never depicted on a Christmas card and yet was, was actually the one, the one responsible for the card, or for the card, for Christmas, for everything. And as Karen said, there was a number of events that, that coalesced to make Christmas possible. The star is interesting. There's been some research into this that there actually was a kind of a, 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 a cosmic event that was happening with some planets and things that looked like stars and and, and they looked like they were going backwards, and it's really interesting stuff, which kind of times for exactly about this, this time, which would be somewhere roughly around, and this is, this is, this is going to mess with your head, um, about 4 BC when Jesus was born. Can you believe that? Jesus was born four years before Christ. <clears throat> so, um, and so they, they, they can line that up. So the one who... who was responsible, was also responsible for the other things that Karen didn't mention that coalesced, that is they came together right at that time perfectly. I've just done, this year I, I did a, a, a university course on world empires and ancient civilizations, and, and it was just fascinating to see how empires rose. I, I studied um, uh, the history of China and studied the history of uh, Latin America, Mesoamerica, which is sort of the middle bit uh, where Mexico is now, and, and uh, South America and Africa and Europe. And, and we, we tend to focus, because most of us probably come from a European background, we tend to focus on European history and around... 300 or so BC, there was a, a Macedonian 
guy by the name of Alexander and he went on and conquered most of the world. But when he conquered, he, he actually didn't just impose tax on people. He was, he was kind of an interesting guy. He, he's actually prophesied about in the book of Daniel. It actually predicts Daniel writing uh, 200 years before Alexander came, was even born. He, he actually, God showed him this is what was going to happen. And what Alexander did was he, he, he imposed language on people. So by the time the Romans came, everybody from India all the way to North Africa spoke one language, and that was Greek. And when the Romans came, they said, oh, it works, it's working, it's, let's just keep it. And so the Romans, they had the, the upper class spoke Latin, and everyone on the street basically spoke Greek. And you could speak Greek anywhere in that Mediterranean world. And that was really interesting. The other thing the Romans did after Alexander, and Alexander died at the age of, uh, was he, 31, I think, he, when, he, when he died under suspicious circumstances. And, and he conquered most of the world, introduced Greek, and then the Romans came, they kept that language going, and the Romans built roads everywhere around the world. It's, it's amazing. We, we went to the Apian way in Rome which is Kim said isn't this amazing we're standing on a road that was built two and a half thousand years ago and it's still here and it's still being used and the West Tamar Highway gets patched up <laughs> every other week or it should and these people built roads that lasted two and a half thousand years uh, mind you i went on a, uh, a motor scooter tour around rome and over the cobblestones it's not fun but i guess on horse and cart it was better and the romans did that because to conquer the world quickly which they did they they extended the the borders of uh, alexander's empire what they, they needed to to not be bogged down with their chariots and their horse and carts. So that's why they built cobblestones, because the cobblestones prevented bogging. So they could go and wage war in winter, which no one had ever done, which is why the Romans were able to conquer the world. So we've got a couple of things that coalesced when Jesus was born. In fact, the one who orchestrated this, who told Daniel, the guy in around 490 or so BC, this is what I'm going to do. This is how history is going to unfold. And then he says in chapter 9 of Daniel, and then I'm going to send the anointed one, which is what the word Christ means, anointed one. And so the one who orchestrated all these kingdoms and all these things says, well, one of the apostles later said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that it was the right time, at just the right time, God sent his son. Now you might be aware that the, the, the Latin word for celebration is the word mass. So when you take Christ mass, Christ mass, it's the celebration of Christ. And Christ came at just the right time. Not only was it the star that Karen mentioned, and, and there it is, we, we actually brought it there. there. And, and, we, and we also have the, the entire world speaking one language, that was Greek, the entire world being connected by a superhighway, and I don't mean WWW, I mean cobblestones. And we have world peace because the Romans conquered the world and they, they put an end to fighting and they, they had these things called the Pax Romana. Pax is Latin for 
peace, the peace of Rome. And so at the time Christ was born, there were no wars going on. Everyone spoke one language and there was peace. There was peace, one language and a road system that that allowed people to travel freely around the world. So consider this at Christmas. There's another Christmas verse which I've never heard preached at Christmas. Now, Pastor Ron Damon, you may have preached on this, but I've never heard this preached at Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life or everlasting life. And so that's actually a Christmas verse. And what does this tell us about the, the one who was there at the time of Christmas? He was there orchestrating the shepherds. He was there sending the angels. He was there taking a young 14, 15-year-old virgin girl whose name was Mary and a man by the name of Joseph who was an experienced carpenter who was engaged to her and then married her but didn't, uh, wasn't intimate with her until after uh, uh, Jesus was born. Mary and Joseph then went on and had at least six children after Jesus was born. Uh, and they're, they're named in, in the scripture. But Joseph, Joseph dies very early on in the in the, the, the background to the raising of Christ. And that's interesting. So we know that Joseph was around when Jesus was 12 because Jesus and Mary went to the temple with Jesus because he was 12. Because when a, a young... This, this is going to shock some teenage boys right now. When a young boy turned 12, he was considered to be a man who could take... Oh, sorry to use... I don't mean to swear. I know it's church... But a young boy at the age of 12 was expected to take, here's the word, responsibility. And so they went to the temple and there was Jesus, the 12-year-old boy, now considered a man because he could bear responsibility. And Joseph was there. But then after that, it appears Joseph died. And this is it. I find this interesting that, that Joseph fulfilled a role and Joseph kind of knew he was not really the boy's father. He was standing in for a time as, jo- as Jesus' father. The real father, of course, Jesus said when Joseph and Mary left the temple and they go, have you got Jesus? I thought you had Jesus. Well, I haven't got Jesus. Don't tell me you've lost God. Oh, great. <laughs> so they go back to the temple and they find Jesus. You remember the story? They find Jesus. And the, Mary goes up to him and says, What on earth are you doing here? Don't you know your father and I were worried about you? And Jesus, the 12-year-old young man, says, Why were you worried? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house about my father's business? I wonder if Joseph was standing there going, oh, okay, I see how it goes. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know how his response would have been. I guess he would have said, yeah, that is our relationship, isn't it? I'm, I'm here as a guardian. I'm not really your dad. Your dad is the one who rules heaven and earth. 
God the Father. And it's interesting, as a few weeks ago Donna pointed out, every time it's recorded that Jesus prayed to God, every time except once, the one time Jesus didn't refer to God in heaven as Father. So every time Jesus prays, he addresses God as Father. And in fact, the, the, the language, the heart language of the Jews of that day was not Hebrew, wasn't Greek. They all spoke Greek, except if you lived in Galilee. They spoke a language called Aramaic, which was a mixture of Persian and Hebrew. And he uses an Aramaic word to talk to God, and it's the word Abba. You may have heard of the band, Abba. It's the same, rendered same in English, spelling. And, and, it, and it's the language of a little child looking up at the face of their dad and saying, Daddy. So every time Jesus prayed, it sounded like this. It would have sounded like this in English. Daddy. And off he would go. That was the relationship he, he had. And when the disciples, his, his followers, heard him after a while, hearing him pray like that, they said, can you teach us how to do that? Can you teach us how to talk to God as Father? And so Jesus said, yeah, I'll teach you how to pray like this. You ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. Really, it's, it's our Daddy. Our Daddy. And Jesus spoke a lot about God as his Father, and some people have said, well, maybe Jesus became the Son of God when he was born of the Virgin Mary that first Christmas. But let's come back to John 3.16. It, it, it actually says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only Son. Jesus was always the Son of God. God the Father was always God the Father. Jesus didn't become the Son. The, God did not become the Father. They always were. They were always in that kind of relationship. And this, this was something that Jesus hears when he began to talk to them as he grew up and he began to talk to them about this relationship he had with God. They, they, they couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. And he told this really, really precious story. In fact, part of the, there's, there's just a faint hint there of one of those stories and it's the story that we call the prodigal son. And the prodigal son was uh, one of two sons. There was the older brother and, and the prodigal, the younger brother. And the younger brother says, oh man, I'm sick of this. I'm working every day. This is just work, 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 work. I'm sick of it. So he goes to his dad and he says, dad, give me half of everything you own. And Jesus is telling us to the Jewish audience who, if their son had said that to them, they would have got wherewithal. And so this was quite a shock. In Jesus' story, the father doesn't say, why you? He says, sure. And gives the younger son half of everything he owns. And it's, it's a shock. It's staggering. It shows the generosity of the father. It's, it's, a, it's breathtaking. And then what happens is, is even worse because the son then goes and disgraces the family. And 
we, we hear the accusation that he's taken all that wealth and he's gone off and wasted it on prostitutes and riotous living. And eventually the money runs out and he's got nothing left. Now here's the interesting thing. He hits rock bottom. He, as a Jew, is feeding pigs and Jews do they never went near pigs. They, they, they had nothing to do with pigs. They, pigs were forbidden and here he's feeding the pigs. He's, he's up to pig swill, up to his knees in pig swill and the, and the pigs are oinking all around him and he stinks like a pig and here he is and he goes, man, I'm so hungry and he's looking at the food scraps, the mouldy, green, furry food scraps he's feeding the pigs and he goes, hmm, that actually looks quite delicious right now, I'm that hungry. And then he goes, what am I thinking? Yeah, this is nuts. At least the hired workers for my dad eat better than this. And that was his complaint originally. Work, 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 work. And now he's going, actually, that looks pretty good now. And so he says, I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to beg his forgiveness and I'm going to tell him I've been a disgrace. And don't take me back as a son, just take me back as a hired servant. And so as he's coming up the long road, Jesus tells the story that the father saw him coming from a distance. Now, what does that tell you? about the father he was looking for that day looking for that day when his wandering son would come home the prodigal would come home and Jesus tells this story to tell us what it's like when we've gone astray when we're afraid to come to God because we think God is this wherewithal kind of Jewish dad and Jesus says he's not like that he's not like that and the father does something no Jewish dad would have done and it would have shocked the, the original audience that Jesus had. He rushes down the road and embraces his son. Remember what his son would have smelled like? <laughs> he would have stank. And the, and the older brother hears the commotion and says, why should we welcome this bloke back? He's been doing this and doing that. He's a disgrace and a shame to the family. And the father says, no, no, no. It's as if he was dead. Now he's alive. Quick, get him some clean clothes. Put a ring on his finger. Put some sandals on his feet. He was kind of dead. Now he's alive. Now he's home. And we're going to talk more about this next year. He's home. This is... This is all encapsulated in the, that stable, in that, that manger, that this son, Isaiah says, for unto us a child is given, sorry, unto us a child is born, a son is given. He was already the son. So this Christmas, as we consider these things, and Karen's going to come back in a moment, and the, and the, the worship team, this Christmas, we, we, we give gifts to remember that God... The Father gave his greatest gift. That's why we give gifts. This, this Christmas also, we remember that God the Father gave his Son as a gift to everyone. And like any gift, it's only a gift if you receive it. And my challenge to you today is, will you? My challenge to some of you today is, will you celebrate the younger prodigal brothers, so to speak, 
receiving that gift? Or will we be like the older brother who's religious and snobby and arrogant and holier than thou? I hope not. This Christmas we thank God the Father for his gift and we also thank Christ, the Christ child, who willingly came and gave of his life. And this Christmas we are each invited to receive the Father's most precious gift, the gift of his Son. And I hope that we will celebrate, that we will celebrate those people who perhaps today have a quiet moment and say, God, my life has gone a bit, bit messy. <laughs> Gee, I'd like to come home to you. And if you do, you'll feel him change your clothes metaphorically, give you a new identity, put a ring on you which gives you an identity, put sandals on your feet which gives you dignity. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray. Firstly, a prayer of thanks. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you that you gave your gift. I pray, Lord, for every person here. This is the last thing they ever hear in a church. I pray that this will stay with them to their final moments on earth and that they will recognize you as a good father, a father who loves, a father who cares, a father who's prepared to run down the road and welcome them home. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. As we've heard tonight, Christmas rightly focuses on the Christ child, but it's God the Father to whom we should be grateful for the gift of Jesus and the means by which we might be redeemed. More from Dr. Corbett next week with the final in his series, God the Judge. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.